Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so this week on the show, we have Brian Metzler. Brian has been writing about running in one form or another for the better part of 25 years now. And you might have read his work in publications like ESPN, Runner's World, or Outside Magazine. I had him on to talk about his latest book, Trail Running Illustrated, The Art of Running Free, which he described to me as, quote unquote, a graphic novel from trail running. And along the way, we get into a great conversation about Brian's career, his thinking on current trends in the trail running world, and some really good back and forth about carbon-plated running shoes. Brian is one of the most knowledgeable people I know when it comes to running shoes. He even wrote an entire book on them, which we got a chance to talk about as well. So needless to say, he had a bunch of thoughts. So let's get right into my conversation with Brian. So Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast this week. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, happy to be here and uh, excited to talk about all things uh, running. Yeah, so I wanted to have you on to talk about your most recent book, Trail Running Illustrated, The Art of Running Free. I just read through a copy of it, and it's something that I I definitely will revisit through the course of my training. Um, I know you co-authored it with Doug Meyer, and it came out late last year, and it's hitting the shelves that you can find at your most local bookstores. I found mine at uh, this great local bookshop in my neighborhood. But I'm also interested in your career as a writer and how you have kind of like passed through a bunch of different mediums, whether that's like journalism, writing books, editing, photography. Um, I know you were the previous editor-in-chief at Competitor, which is now Podium Runner, and the founding editor of Trail Runner, which I, uh, I frequent. And your work has appeared in most major outdoor publications like Outside, etc. So in order for me and listeners to better understand that, I want to talk a little bit about how you got into writing professionally. Yeah, cool. That's, uh, I appreciate all that. And um, yeah, it's been a fun journey. I, I think that uh, the two threads um, of all that are, are that I love to run and be outdoors um, in a lot of ways. And then also, I've, I've always liked to, to write or I found that writing was my the best way to express myself. And uh, so, you know, as a kid, I ran, you know, track and field and cross country in grade school, middle school, high school, and then eventually was a walk on in college. And I love that, even if I wasn't that fast. And, um, you know, I, I took that to some road running and then eventually uh, trail running um, when I moved to Boulder, Colorado. And, um, you know, that opened up a whole new kind of realm for me. And at the same time, when I moved to Boulder, I was kind of just starting my career. I, I had worked um, for some Chicago newspapers and did everything from like the crime beat to, to, to high school and college sports and all that stuff. And, you know, I was really kind of searching for my kind of my kind of first kind of real thing I was psyched about in my career. And I moved to Boulder and like, you know, certainly at that time and still now, there were so many um, endurance athletes there that uh, – you know, it became this natural thing to just kind of, you know, see him at the track or, or, you know, go to the running stores, hang out and learn about stuff. And, you know, I, I got you know, a lot of story ideas that way and, you know, started pitching them to different, you know, magazines and such. And, uh, you know, back in the day, there was, you know, it was like mostly magazines or, or newspapers. And so I did a lot of that work um, and that kind of evolved. And then I had this opportunity to start Trail Runner magazine, uh, which was super cool with, um, you know, a rock climbing magazine in Boulder. And that that kind of sprouted from there. And then, you know, the time trail running as a sport was 
was not new. It had been around for quite a while, but but it was really just kind of starting to blossom, you know, and, and kind of really starting to blow up. This is like 20 some years ago. And and that was a fun and exciting time. And um, certainly I, I got more into trail running and ultras uh, than I had been before and um, kind of went from there. And so, yeah, you know, my career kind of Went through a lot of different uh, mediums and outdoor pubs, but uh, you know, definitely, um, I've, I've either been a full-time person at a, you know, at a media platform like Trail Runner or um, uh, Running Times and Runners World briefly, and then also competitor. And then I've started a few things, and I've also just been a freelance writer just because I've been around kind of these sports. So it's kind of been a mix of all those things, and just kind of looking for opportunities or being close to story ideas that I think are, are you know, should be shared. You know, so it's kind of been a fun evolution for sure. Yeah. So when did writing and running kind of align together? Th- that was a time I was right out of college and I was like, ah, oh, you know what, you know, running was kind of at a standstill for me because I didn't really, you know, I wasn't yet interested in marathons and I was a middle distance runner. And like I said, it wasn't that fast. So there wasn't much opportunity there. And it wasn't until I discovered trail running in Colorado that running really picked up for me again. But, um, uh, you know, writing, I'd written about a lot of things, but I, you know, I didn't know much about like, you know, the crime beat or wasn't that interested in business or real estate writing, of which I did a lot of um, in Chicago and also when I first moved to Boulder. But like, um, I just, I just kind of fell into it because I loved writing and I knew how to tell stories. And I, I found an opportunity, you know, to, to, to tell good stories. I think that was the key thing, just to know about how runners trained or, or you know, this emerging sport of trail running, you know, and, you know, um, just meeting a lot of athletes that were training in Boulder at the time, uh, some of the emerging trail runners back then. It was just, it kind of all fell in place at the right time. And since, since I had started trail running myself, um, I really kind of found kind of a passion for that. Yeah, I noticed that in your, like, bibliography, it's at once like pretty focused because you do tend to write about endurance sports but under that umbrella you cover everything from ultra running to track and field and those two sports there's so much difference right so what do you think kind of threads a through line through them all for you yeah it's a good question i think that um you know when i was the editor of trail runner magazine I was full on into ultras and and trails and everything else and i thought that was really cool and and i still do of course but I also found myself like when I was training for like an ultra, I'd still want to go to the track, you know, and, and get leg turnover in my training. And so personally, I found I was still interested in that. And so many of the different athletes around Boulder um, were, were either track athletes or marathoners or trail runners, um, triathletes, you know. So I, I'd be kind of interested in what was going on based on those athletes and then, you know, how they competed on the national or international scene. But I think that the threat of all that is um, kind of what I found in the people I trained with or, you know, I, I, people always say that, oh, Boulder's so full of elite athletes, and it is, and that doesn't really affect the rest of us who are, you know, age groupers and everything else. But the way the way that it's prominent in Boulder is that, like, everyone that's an age grouper inspires you to do something else, you know. And so once I was into trail running, all of a sudden, like, oh, 100 milers, that's cool. And then once I, you know, met friends that were doing triathlons, like, oh, Ironman, you know. And it's um it sounds obsessive, but it's really not. It's just kind of pursuing all these passions. And so – I think from that point of view, I was really interested in a lot of different ways to train, um, to race, to explore, to be on foot or, or on a bike. Um, and then also just, again, being close to some of these stories, to tell these stories um, in, in the media, you know, was, was, a, was a great opportunity that I'm, I'm certainly grateful for. But, but it also was part of my passion, too, that like I, I kind of like, you know, learned that like, oh, this is cool. I could challenge myself this way or I could, I could, you know, I could compete in this kind of event. And so it's been fun to be able to kind of explore all those 
those different uh, activities. And, and, and you know, the, the single thread, I guess, is like, you know, how far can we each individually push ourselves toward our own level of potential, right? We're all, you know, if, if we're all age group athletes, we're all about the same, but we all have different, you know, uh, abilities or skills and, you know, how much you can put into it, um, you know, versus how much you get out of it, you know? So that's kind of a common thread, I think. Yeah. I also imagine that being in Boulder and participating in a bunch of different sports helps prevent burnout because I've met so many people that have run in high school and then continue to run in college that, you know, loathe any form of cardio, similar to how like I know a lot of basketball players, once they retire, they never touch a basketball again. And it sucks to see because these people are like dedicate so much of their energy into into the competitive side of sport of the sport of running that they don't get a chance to appreciate it as like a life practice. Yeah, so true. And I think that that's, um, that's you know, definitely a good mental note for everybody. I think that for me, definitely being able to, to vary my workouts, you know, mix in like, like I said, triathlon or bike workouts or long rides certainly has probably saved my legs to some extent. I think that, um, I, I'm I'm built like a middle distance runner, so I've never been like um, a, a really like a lot of my friends who are more classic distance runners, really wiry and lightweight. I was always like you know this middleweight muscular guy that ran on the track, and that doesn't really convert well to being a marathoner. Um, and if it does, doing long miles it tends to beat you up, you know. And so I always benefited from doing um, plenty of time on the bike. Um, you know, swimming has helped a lot, and it's, I think it's helped extend my ability to keep doing these things. And, and and to your point, I think that like yeah, the whole mental aspect of it. I mean, like you can go down a single line and say I want to be a better miler, a better marathoner, and just go, 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 and make that your sole focus. But the problem with that is there's um, there's kind of a shelf life to that, right? And we all get to a point where we're going to get slower, but we also, um, if, we're, if we're focused on one specific goal, say the marathon, and that's all we do, and we just drill down on that, um, it's, it's hard to have success repeatedly. And, um, you know, for me, always varying things up, I think certainly running in the trails and feeling like that freedom that comes with it um, has always been a big thing for me. So yeah, the whole mix of all those things has really been kind of um, a key to my continued enjoyment of all of it. I also am curious your thoughts on whether or not social media has made it harder or easier to kind of write full time and write as a profession. Because at once, at the same time, it's like you are able to have a voice, right? But I think everyone's able to have a voice. So there's this kind of oversaturation and it's harder to really stand out um, compared to when you got your start. Absolutely. I mean, um, media and content has changed considerably. I mean, media is barely a word anymore. Content is certainly the word. And I think it's been a cool evolution because certainly, um, you know, we went from, you know, media only telling the stories to then brands telling a lot of the stories. Uh, and, and then individuals, you know, either prominent individuals or people that just made themselves prominent, you know, and I think that's been a cool kind of expansion of the number of voices out there. Um, we've definitely heard many more stories or every single day when we're fl- flipping through our, our, our you know, our, our social feeds. Um, you see so much more, you know, and you can see so much more from that person. So I think it's been a good thing. Uh, as for me as a writer, I think it's it's been no different than in some ways than it was, you know, years ago. Um, you, you've got to find your opportunities, you know. Um, if, if you if you're you know if you paint houses 
um, you still got to find a place to paint the house, right? And so for me, it's like it's like there's still tons of stories out there, and there's the ability to tell good stories. And again, the media as we know it, the platforms have absolutely changed, and I get that, and I welcome that. And um, it's become a much more visual um, kind of world, which is great. Um, you know, I've, I've done some, a lot of photography uh, where I've really just been in the right place at the right time to shoot great photos or good photos. Um, I've done a little bit of video. I've done more video behind the scenes where I've been like um, on a video crew. Um, you know, like running with a gimbal um, with a producer or whatever else. And so I've definitely involved myself in a lot of different aspects of media, um, but I still, still do write quite a bit. And, um, you know, I think there's still a good place for written word, even if it's changed and or more concise or in more you know, different formats. Do you think it's changed your writing at all, though? Like, do you write in a different kind of style? Um, I think to some extent, I think, I think it kind of depends on on what the medium is, you know, and, and maybe, you know, certainly... I, I do some corporate uh, content creation, and so that writing looks different than obviously like a long form story in like a trail runner magazine or you know um, kind of a story in outside online or something like that. So yeah, I, mean, I think there's definitely differences there. I think certainly depending on who your audience is, um, all, all these different things come into play, and you know that's the only way to have successful writing. Um, you know, back, you know, a hundred years ago or, or 10 years ago or now or 10 years from now, you really got to know your audience. You've really got to know the application of that, of that, um, you know, the words, but also same goes for a videographer who, you know, we've seen a lot of like 29 minute random, you know, ultra running stories where they should be about six minutes long. Right. I mean, like the more we can edit and, and be concise about things, the better we are, you know? And so we're st- certainly in an evolving kind of um, uh, content media place for sure. Yeah. What do you think that says about the state of trail running as a sport, though? I'm thinking of podcasts like this one and live broadcasting at races. Um, we had Corinne Malcolm on the show last week who is starting to do, yeah, these like 20 hour long stretches of, of calling Western states and then also larger companies swooping in to buy local races. Do you have any thoughts on on what that means for for trail running, which is all which has been kind of a niche sport for a while? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of things to unpack there, but I think the first thing is like you know, like even like Cocodona um, over the last uh, several days, uh, Cocodona 250 in Arizona. I mean, the live live stream of that was super cool, and I was at several different places or different points of my day, and I would check in and I would see the, see the updates and. You know, um, Annie Hughes, uh, who was the woman's winner, was a friend of mine um, in Leadville. And I was super excited to have that access to see where she was, you know. And I think that um, trail running, uh, probably more so, more more than even like, in some ways, more than like marathoning and, and such, has become um, a pretty, you know, pretty uh, accessible sport to in a lot of ways, you know. And I think that certainly social media has helped that. Pardon me. I think it, it's, it's cool that we see – you know, uh, people we know as athletes, um, friends we know, uh, posting stuff about cool trails, cool visuals. Um, you know, I think I think there's so much content out there. That's the hard part because you've got to find you know a happy medium in your own life as to how much content you want to consume. You know, there's tons out there, more than you could ever get through in a day. But I think that that part of it's great. Uh, that part hopefully has inspired um, you know people. It's inspired me to see great great you know either race coverage or shots on a trail or just somebody, you know, somebody, somebody at peak or whatever else. Um, so I think that part's good. I think, um, as far as, uh, you know, the races consolidating to some extent, um, the whole UTMB world series, UTMB is either partnered with or bought a lot of well-known races in the United States. That will be interesting to see how it plays out. I think that whole, um, world series has a lot of merits to it. Um, I think you can, you can have this aspiration to maybe qualify and go to Chamonix as one part of it. It's not the whole thing. I think that's, that's cool. Cause I've been in Chamonix and I've run there and it's a beautiful place, but I think that what's more important is still what those individual races offer. 
you know, um, I think that, you know, what Canyons offers, for for example, uh, you know, is, is great in itself. And I think that, you know, we can't lose sight of like um, trail running is great right where you are. Right. And we have great trails and races across the U.S. around the world. But like, you know, your own backyard, your own forest, your own mountains are really great. And that's that's the essence of what trail running is. Right. And so I think it's it's, it's a blend be- between like seeing this pie in the sky thing of qualifying for Chamonix, let's say. And also, like, you know, just exploring the trails, um, you know, within a 100-mile radius of your house, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, trail running is definitely evolving. I think most of it so far is good, um, even though we know that it's, there's more people trying to get into, you know, fewer slots and races, for example. Yeah, I think those are all great points, and they all deserve, you know, their own podcast for sure. Um, moving on, though, I do want to ask you about shoes i'd be remiss (laughs) as the running editor at a website that reviews shoes not to not to ask you because i know i saw somewhere on on twitter that you've reviewed you know thousands of pairs of shoes and uh i spend a lot of time doing the same so i'm curious about what your testing process is like and what kind of got you into reviewing shoes like what fascinates you about them yeah, I think it's cool. I think that, you know, I've been running in shoes for a long time and, you know, we've gone through phases that where there were, you know, really good shoes that are really kind of top, top tier, you know, running shoes. And then really kind of like kind of bottom feeders almost that weren't very good that were really meant, meant for the masses that were really built for the person who's going to be walking a mall or doing errands, you know, and that's fine. And I, I, nothing wrong with that. It's just they weren't really um, made for running, you know. So I think that as like more focus was put on performance running um, and trail running, especially, um, I think we've seen a lot of great things happen in the last, you know, 20 years, but really the last 10 or 15 years um, as materials have changed and stuff. Um, you know, people have learned how to, how to you know, um, just develop shoes better. From a trail running point of view, I think that, you know, know, when, when trail running specific shoes first came out in the 1990s, uh, people didn't know what, the, what they were doing that much. They didn't really know, you know, as much about traction or, you know, like directional traction or um, stability built into a shoe for the trails as they do now. You know, we've come a long way and the shoes now are so good based on this evolution um, and involvement with, you know, people that are actually out, you know, on the trails quite a bit. So to answer your question, I mean, I got into it kind of because I was in the media and kind of shoe reviews became this thing. Um, and then, you know, it became, you know, more of this this kind of ongoing thing where shoe companies were, you know, sending samples and everything else. And I was putting them on, on feet, you know, uh, of wear testers and, and it's kind of evolved from there. And then it's, it's, you know, as the mainstream media became interested in those things, like everyone from the wall street journal or, you know, whatever men's journal um, outside, I mean, it just became this, this thing where, you know, every gear category has, you know, lots of reviews anyway, to that point, it's just been, it's been a fun evolution for sure. And I think, you know, it, it took a while to develop what I call like a learned foot, you know, in terms of like every shoe is, different and and how you run in it um especially um based on you know the materials the weight how it's balanced the traction uh all these things how it fits your foot first and foremost so it's just been something i kind of a little bit fell into but also had a great interest in i think that you know when i wrote my book kixology um it was really kind of based on this lifetime fascination which i I kind of always knew i had but it's kind of uh blossomed more in my career as, as time went on yeah, and we'll talk about Kixology uh, in a little bit because, uh, yeah, another another really interesting project of yours. Um, but I'm curious, like, what do you think makes a good shoe review? I, I struggle sometimes with reconciling how subjective they are, and they're just such a, an end of one piece of writing for a lot of people that I like. My job is essentially to be both subjective and objective. And um, I'm wondering if you had any kind of insights into how to do that. 
Yeah, it's definitely um, it's it's definitely all of that which you say, and I think that's you know I think the, the key is trying to be fair and, and 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 realistic and offering offering to the readers, whoever might be reading or listening, um, you know what they they can't see, and, and so certainly you know um, authentically getting on trails or roads and running them is certainly a huge part of that. Um, you asked before what my process was. It's it's dependent. I mean, uh, on what the media was or what the scope was. I mean, there was times where I was doing magazine reviews where I'd have as many as like sixteen people testing the same shoe and filling out forms and everything else and, you know, running at least, you know, X number of times or X number of miles in it. And, you know, some of that still happens in different, in different places, but yeah, some of it is uh, N of one. And, and with that, you hopefully can impart, like you said, like a bit of, of what, you know, the shoe is about and also what you feel and you're running with it, you know, and that's two different things. And the thing is that every single shoe will run differently for every single runner, you know, and um, depending on our gait, depending on, if we, you know, what our preferences are, what we feel, um, you know, how we touch the ground. I think that there's a fascinating thing to me is like we all have a um, this proprioceptive kind of connection from our brain to our hand. You know, if you pick up something, it's warm or hot or cold or, you know, awkward or a doorknob. I mean, like you pretty much know how to do it. And um, with your your brain to your foot, it's a little bit different because, um, you know, one of the goals there is just to keep yourself upright and your, your brain's telling yourself, okay, to land on, land on your, you know, correctly. And then so your, so your brain doesn't hit the ground. Right. But at the same time in that process though, there's, there's a million different kind of micro feelings of touching the ground and kind of where you land and like this perceived weight of a shoe and the perceived softness of a shoe. And then as soon as your foot, you know, begins to press foam, you know, how that, you know, works with your gait. So there's, I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. And that's really kind of the essence of kind of, kind of how, how you react, how your gait reacts to, to any given running shoe. And I think that, you know, that's, you know, I've done time trials before, like one mile time trials in like eight different shoes and like, and you know, just a lot of different things, but I'm always fascinated with how different materials, how different shoe kind of compositions um, make you run differently, even though you could take two out of the box at like, you know, two, you know, here's an Asics and here's a Nike and they're about the same weight and yet they run entirely different, right? So it's, it's just fascinating to me and I'm really, you know, the more I've seen like the inside of like, you know, shoe designers kind of process, it's, it's super cool, you know, it's just, it blows me away and like where we are now with shoes is crazy too because the shoes are so so good the materials are so good right now yeah i know in in august of 2020 you wrote an article uh for outside in which you tested all the super shoes on the market everything from like the hoka carbon x which had just come out at the time to the nike next percents and i wanted to ask you about what you thought about that plated technology transitioning over to uh trail running shoes we've seen uh, Hoka employ plates in some upcoming trail shoes um, releasing pretty soon. And then uh, I wrote a review of the Speedland SLPDXs. They have a removable carbon plate. Um, I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious about uh, what yours are and if you've had a chance to run in any uh, carbon plated trail shoes yet. Yeah, I've run in quite a few and I'll back up to the kind of the carbon plated boom and road running shoes. I think it's a different thing, but I think it's it's been cool. I've always been in favor of technology um, kind of evolving. And like I was never one of these people that said it was mechanical doping, but I did want to see a level playing field. So, you know, when that whole thing came out and certain brands had um, carbon plated shoes and certain brands didn't yet, I thought that, you know, there was a challenge there from like 2016 to 2019 or 2020. It was just a little bit of a apples to oranges because there's definitely um, an advantage on the roads in running in one of those shoes from four to six percent or more, you know. And so now that everyone has the technology or has some form of that paradigm, I think it's 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 equal and that's good. 
but moving on to trails, I think it um, it's taken a while to kind of have that carryover effect. I don't think it was ever going to be the same kind of propulsion um, and, and kind of um, gait you get from road running. I think that certainly there's different aspects to carbon fiber in in trail running shoes and the ones you mentioned for sure. I mean, like, you know, the Hoka Tecton X comes out, I think, in, within the week or you know, soon. Um, the Speedland shoes, uh, the first version and the second version, uh, I think are very fascinating. I think the way that um, carbon fiber is being used in trail running is, is, is cool and different. I think, I think we'll see it in a lot of different ways. We'll almost see probably like carbon fiber is a fabric coming out. Um, I think there's so much more that you can do with carbon fiber we haven't yet seen. I think certainly right now we've seen them in like you know, kind of plates, like you mentioned the removable plate, which I think is pretty cool in Speedland. I think the the dual plates in the Tecton X is a cool thing because it helps for stability. Um, it helps for protection. It offers, with that great foam they have, the Ned Hoka shoe, um, it offers uh, definitely some propulsion. Um, you know, the North Face shoe that came out last year didn't really, it wasn't really a huge hit. Um, there's, you know, a lot of brands that are trying it. You know, Saucony tried to come out with a kind of a plated shoe last year that wasn't wasn't ideal um i think the one they have coming out this year um will be much better um so i think there's definitely a future with carbon fiber in trail running shoes it won't be the same you know one-to-one corollary of okay you're going to run this percent faster you know i think if you think about it in, in many different ways you know stability uh durability um structure it's super lightweight as, 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 a, as, a, as a material. I think there's, there's so many different ways you can incorporate it. And I think we'll continue to see that. And if you take like the Speedland example and even the Hoka example, I think that those are two good pieces to see how it might be different going forward. Yeah, I think that something that I hope these shoes don't sacrifice too much is ground feel. That is one thing about trail running that is like very, very important that I feel like putting a really rigid plate in a shoe will compromise. And that's why I was like very pleased to see Hoka kind of address that with like the segmented plate that worked kind of like a, a car's chassis and allow a little bit better um, stability running on like over technical terrain. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's also, I think why that plated shoes won't become the only thing or, or even, you know, the end all be all that they have in road running shoes. Like right now, if you want to run a marathon, I would say you absolutely should invest in a pair of, you know, carbon plated shoes. Uh, if you want to run efficiently and as fast as possible. As for trail running, though, if, whether you're running a 5K or whether you're just uh, doing your own kind of like local fun run or, or just training or, or you're running an ultra, I'm not sure that, that based on what we know now, I'm not sure that carbon fiber plated shoes or carbon fiber shoes will be a must have. I mean, I, th- I think they'll be cool. I think there'll be advantages to them, but I don't think it'll be the only thing because of what you said, which is the whole feel for the trail concept, which there's so many different trails out there. They have different terrain in that that varies regionally, you know, whether it's uh, wet and slick and muddy or dry and dusty and sandy and rocky. I mean, like everything is different. And so that's a big part of it. I think also kind of how how any individual runs on the trails is different, too. And and the, whole, the distance thing, too. It's like running a 5K on the trails or running a couple of miles on the trails is so different than running 100 miles. You know, it's just like it's just night and day. And it's like it's almost like two different things, even though it is, you know, still running. So I think that it'll be an interesting future relative to that. Yeah, I think there's definitely some trail races that will be more suitable for that kind of technology. But, you know, races like technical races like um, Broken Arrow or anything mountainous. um, Yeah, I I don't know if a carbon plated shoes the the right terrain for that at all. Yeah, Uh, agreed. So how did you go from writing shoe reviews to deciding to write a book on shoes? 
like I said, like I, I had this passion for running shoes, you know, throughout my life that I probably didn't really think about that much. It just was part of, you know, me and running. And I, I always, but I always knew like, you know, throughout my running career, like, you know, back in grade school or in high school, college, I mean, like every, every aspect, I always like felt kind of a connection to my shoes, you know, and I, I knew that I ran better in certain shoes or felt better in certain shoes. And, um, I can even think back now on, on certain shoes where I ran well or ran a fast time or whatever, and I can still, you know, kind of connect with those shoes now. And so, um, you know, it just came, came to be that I, I just knew a lot about shoes. And as, as I was um, immersed in the running industry and in the running shoe industry and talking to people like, you know, you'd show up at the Boston Marathon or a trade show and start talking with people who've been in the industry for a while or, or people just brand new to the industry and like, you know, it's, it's a kind of a fun collection of people that like have all these different backgrounds and like can reference different shoes and everything else. And, you know, I had a lot of knowledge of all, a lot of shoes and like, um, because I was writing about a lot of shoes, it just kind of became this thing where like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I can tell stories, you know, more connected stories. And like, you know, especially, especially, you know, as this whole carbon plated thing was coming together, um, there was more interest and more focus on running shoes than ever before, you know, and very much, um, a lot of content being put out there, a lot of specificity about, the types of shoes people were choosing and kind of how they were developed. And so it seemed like it was a perfect time to, to write a, um, a book about that. And, you know, again, I had a lot of stories, a lot of background, a lot of people that I connected with in various ways, um, either in Boulder where I was or in the running shoe industry in general. So it just kind of, it just kind of came together. Yeah. I think going back to something you mentioned earlier, um, I find it interesting that there's kind of like almost two different breeds of running shoes today. There's like the running shoes that people actually run in. And then there's, the running shoes that, as you said, people run or people like, yeah, run errands with um, and are more termed like athleisure shoes. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's, that's a huge market, you know, it's like, um, and that's probably the end point, but like getting back to, to what you're saying, I mean, like, I think that like running shoes at some point became like the shoe of choice, the comfort shoe of choice for Americans. And I say that, and I might've mentioned in my book that like, if you go to an airport, everyone's wearing running shoes, right? I mean, like there's a few people in, in dress shoes because they're in suits or whatever else. But like most people, if they're, if they're, you know, just wanting to be casual, they're, they're almost all in running shoes. You know, there was a phase that there was more people in like, in like kind of court shoes, like basketball shoes or tennis shoes, but not, like running shoes, you'll, you, you go to the airport. If you want to be a real running shoe geek, you just go hang out at an airport and it's like, look at the people's shoes. You know, it's like, there's some from, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And it's like, you can, you can name like, you know, hundreds of different shoes in, in, you know, an hour. But, um, so whenever that happened, whenever running shoes became kind of like, I guess, cool enough, or maybe, or maybe not cool enough to wear at airports, um, you know, it, it was kind of like this, this, this kind of acceptance, uh, of, of running shoes, one being comfortable and two, that's what people had, you know, it's like people wanted to be comfortable and casual, but also, it was part of their maybe their makeup of, of them being runners too. So I think all those things were certainly part of that. I think that I think the whole athleisure movement is interesting because um, there's a lot more like what you call sneakers out there that are like just yeah comfortable and like they look like running shoes, but maybe not meant to be running shoes. I mean, like that's not to be condescending. It's just that they're meant to be comfortable, comfortable sneakers. Right. And like they take some of the best traits, you know, the softness, um, the nice, uh, you know, kind of um, comfortable upper from running shoes and they put those into, into sneakers. And so it, it's a crazy big industry. And that the, the thing they've also added to that is style too. And so, you know, now it's maybe we've probably veered away from actually wearing your exact running shoes, 
you know, it to, to more like these comfortable like athleisure shoes. So it's, it's, it's definitely changed a little bit. I mean, people wouldn't necessarily wear, hopefully, their carbon fiber, uh, you know, racing shoes in an airport, but um, but you never know. But um, but I think it's, you know, it's certainly a sign that like, you know, everyone identifies with running shoes and everyone maybe considers themselves a runner at some point, you know, because they have these shoes and they've, you know, if they run twice a month or 30 days a month, uh, you know, we're all runners. Yeah, it's, it's also funny to see high performance running shoes pop up on like the feet of celebrities like Rihanna right. and like right. Britney right. Spears who are like wearing these shoes that are intended to like PR your marathon into like the Met Gala or something. Yeah, no doubt. And like, you know, um, I've, you know, I've heard plenty of stories where like, you know, like uh, certain brands will seed like the celebrity packages at like the Grammys or the Oscars, you know, and like, and then, and then, you know, if you, if you read people magazine or whatever, like you see people, whatever, you know, you, you see the celebs, yeah, wearing these crazy shoes. And I think you know, everyone loves sneakers and whether it's, it's directly running shoes or if it's more like kind of fashion sneakers, which it's crazy. There's some crazy, crazy sneakers out there that are like, you know, uh, you know, nearing a thousand dollars or more, but, um, but it, but it, it shows that people like the, like, hopefully like the comfort of shoes. I mean, like certainly there's a whole new level of style and steez, as they say, um, out there and in these new sneakers and everything else. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like in, in some, some celebrities dabble in, you know, running a marathon and that's kind of fun too, you know, and it's all, I'm always curious to see what, like, Oh, what was Will Ferrell wearing when he ran that marathon, you know? And, um, so, but, but I think, you know, that kind of boils things down too. that celebrities are people too, right? We all love to have comfortable shoes. So I think that might be the, the bottom line there. Yeah. All right. Let's transition into trail running illustrated, the art of running free. Um, how did that project come together? Yeah, so um, I had met Doug Mayer. Um, so Doug is uh, an American who lives in Chamonix most of the year, and he has this uh, this tour business called Run the Alps. I've been familiar with it and was kind of tracking a lot of what he was doing on social media. And then I actually met him while I was running in Chamonix in 2017, and really became fascinated with his his kind of company. And you know, he he was doing you know same thing. I I just love to run those trails over there and. Um, got to be, you know, acquainted with him and got to know him and went on a couple of runs with him and just kind of uh, kept connected through the years through um, social media and email and such like. And then in, I think it was in 2019, he said, hey, I got this project I'm working on. Do you want to be involved? I said, yeah, sure. And he kind of told me the whole thing. And, and then it became this bigger project and we really worked hard at it. And uh, basically what Trail Running Illustrated is, is, is it's kind of like a somebody somebody described it as a graphic novel an adult graphic novel for, for, for trail runners, you know, and, but the, the idea was, um, to create more of an illustrated version of what, um, what trail running is, right. I mean, we all have seen great photos, um, beautiful photos of great trails and runners all over the world. And that's, that's still a great thing in, in, in books and content, but this, this is meant to be kind of a, kind of a different, um, avenue into trail running, you know, so hopefully, um, the content speaks for itself, which is kind of a wide ranging, um, kind of discussion of every, possible topic you might think of. Um, but also with this kind of really beautiful design that um, Helvetique Books is a uh, is a Swiss brand um, that Doug knew um, over there. And, and uh, they have this great design team. And, and really what I think is that they just made this beautiful, colorful kind of illustrated um, book that really kind of brought trail running to life in a different way. Um, and then the Mountaineers book group in North America is the book that's the company that's uh, distributing it here in, in the u.s and so um kind of that's kind of the, the process of all that but uh yeah doug and i worked on it i think probably in 2019 2020 i think it was gonna come out in 20 late 2020 and then the, the pandemic obviously came and we kind of delayed the whole thing and then kind of went back and, and made it better i think and then um yeah now it's out now so it's been a fun project for sure but the idea is to inspire more people hopefully to 
hit the trails in different ways. You know, I think that, um, again, there's, there's a lot of, um, beautiful visuals out there of great trails, but this is more of an illustrated, uh, kind of version. Yeah. I thought your book did a great job of like capturing the tone of trail running. It's kind of like waggishness and like playfulness and it doesn't take itself as seriously as a textbook or, you know, some literature on other endurance sports that are 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 kind of uh, have less smiles. That might be changing though, because I know trail running is like becoming, you know, a bit more serious as it professionalizes. Yeah, I guess like I had trouble assigning a genre to your book. And I think that's like a really cool thing because it's like it opens itself as like a resource, but also it's just like a pleasurable skim and also like, yeah, visually very attractive as well. And also there's a ton of history in that too. So I'm I'm wondering how like what parts did you kind of prioritize when you were kind of thinking of the project? Well, first of all, I want to say I appreciate that because you, I think, um, hit the nail on the head for everything we tried to accomplish. So I think that if, you, if your reactions were those, that's that's great. And I really appreciate that. Um, um, yeah, I, th- I think we wanted to be as, uh, as kind of wide ranging as possible. Um, not necessarily meant for, you know, total newcomers, um, but also also you know, having content that's lively enough um, for someone, like you said, uh, you know, the skim factor, you pick it up, uh, you might be a lifelong trail runner, you pick it up and, and you can skim through it and like, in, you know, get more insight and everything else. So I think, um, you know, trail running is still in this growth phase, um, you know, especially, you know, I mentioned like when I started trail runners, it was, it was really kind of in a, in, in a smallish kind of like, you know, prepubescent phase of just like, just getting off the ground. And now it's like more people know what it is, but it's, I think, you know, we saw after the pandemic, so many people kind of said, Hey, trail running, I want to do that. You know, and I think so all those things at the same time, um, made it possible to have, uh, this kind of book in the market. So I think that, um, again, it offers something for, for people who've never been trail running, um, but also pe- people who have been trail running quite a bit. I think the, based on the resources we use, the people we talk to, and hopefully the information and history we, we, we served up is, is, um, is, yeah, it's a good read for, for any level of trail runner. Yeah, there's a good amount of, of science in the book as well. And I'm, I'm curious whether or not uh, you did most of that research or it was just something that you like picked up through your course of of running. I, I don't know. I, I always look to the injury section of these books because I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had that. I've had that. Um, and I feel like at a certain point just through yeah being injured so much i kind of i almost have like a medical degree you kind of have to right yeah exactly it, it, we had a lot of uh, group discussions and definitely called on a lot of resources and friends and people like kind of behind the scenes um that, that certainly helped saddle with a lot of things i think that you know certainly knowing uh you know that, that people were interested from a lot of different levels you know was you know it's probably the reason why there's more sciencey stuff in there certainly you know um, the medical stuff related to injuries. I think that, uh, you know, that's unfortunately a fact of life for runners, especially trail running. Um, people, I think, want to know about that up front. And I think that, you know, if you're, if you're doing something that <clears throat> most people might consider extreme, training for an ultra, right, um, there's so many different ways to approach it. But I think certainly, you know, knowing like um, the science and the best practices behind training, behind fueling, behind hydration, recovery, all these things uh, certainly go a long way. Yeah. You also include a section called Women on Trails, I believe. Uh, why did you include that, I guess? I mean, I, I, I understand why. I guess I'm I'm uh, more curious about how that was, how that decision was made and, and who's responsible for that section. Um, yeah. So um, that was uh, something that certainly you know needed to be in there. You couldn't have um, two, two guys just, just talking about uh, trail running for everyone. Obviously, you know, half the people that run are, are women. So 
Uh, certainly, we, we wanted to make sure we were authoritative and speaking from the right uh, voice uh, to have that kind of um, discussion in there. So, yeah, we, we definitely called on a lot of different uh, female trail runners to contribute to those and uh, really kind of write and edit and then review and then rewrite um, during the process. And so, um, yeah, we, we don't want to um, we didn't want to pose ourselves as like this authority from a woman's point of view. So, yeah. Do you have any other, I guess, trail running um, specific books you look to? Um, for in- for information that you would recommend, I'm always I'm curious for my own reading lists. Um, I think I think certainly like you know, there's a lot of books I've read that you know have have dabbled in trail running. I think that um, you know Scott Jurek has written two different books uh, which are really good. I think that you know Born to Run I think is a fascinating read. I think that um, you know if you can read between the lines of like some of the hyperbole and, and some of the real stories that come out of that book, I think that's that, those those are great. I think that. Um, you know, Brian Powell's written a good book, um, you know, uh, Relentless Forward Motion, I think it's called. Um, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different books out there. There's not a ton that are specifically about trail running. You know, there's a lot of kind of how-to books, but I think there's, you know, um, there's bits and pieces out of different different um, books that I've read that like, you know, Dean Karnazes, um has written a book um, or two. And like, I just think that like, you know, there's different stories and, and vignettes throughout a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different books out there. So looking forward, can you talk about any other projects you're working on or what you have lined up for the rest of this year? I always have a lot of things going on. I, I you know, kind of um, around my own running, I'll be um, back in Chamonix for the UTMB. I'm running the, sh- the shortest race there this year, the MCC, which is uh, cool. Um, and I'll probably be doing a lot of content um, along those lines for some of the traditional media um, we've talked about. You know, I've covered, you know, a lot of those races for for runner's world or trail runner, um, outside, things like that. And so I'll definitely be, be doing a lot of coverage like that in traditional media. I also, you know, have, have some consulting slash brand content development stuff of which you'll, you won't see my name tied to, but I'll be involved with it, you know, in different ways. And so there's that, um, as, you know, I do have another kind of book in the works that's related to running, but that's not, uh, it's not only trail running. So that's kind of under wraps right now, but uh, that will probably not be it till 2023. And otherwise, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I, I have, I'm, I'm kind of an independent contractor right now, which is good. And so there's a lot of different things that are kind of always evolving, you know, either in media or in content or in a lot of different areas, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a fun world to live in. And, you know, at the same time, you've got to hustle because it's, you, know, you got to make a living too. So. Awesome. Well, I think that's a, a good place to, to pause for today. Brian, thanks for, for chatting with me. And I'll keep an eye out for that book. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's been great talking to you. And I, I just want to say, I, l- I love what you guys do at Blister and everything else. And um, I think that, uh, you know, you guys have a, seem to have a real bonafide, um, you know, testing process for all your gear. And it's, it's it, as a person who runs, but also spends a lot of time on bikes and skis and everything else. So it's always fun to see kind of uh, what other kind of content producers are doing and, and media is uh, doing. So uh, keep up the good work. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. I want to say thanks to Brian for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here at Blister, please take good care of yourself. Keep moving forward. And we'll talk to you again next week.